everybody, Mike here, coming at you from uh, suburban Columbus, Ohio. Uh, glad you're tuning in. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be a part of your life. Very, very grateful um, to you for uh, allowing us access into whatever it is that you're doing right at this moment. And if it's sleeping, uh, if, you're, if you're dealing with insomnia and you are desperately trying to go to sleep and you've turned to this, then, uh, then may you not hear the next words out of my mouth. I hope this is so effective at putting you to sleep. Uh, it does have that effect on people, certainly. So uh, may, may the Lord bless you in that endeavor. Otherwise, uh, we've got a fun show. Uh, I think today we've got some great questions, as always, that have come in. And then we are going to talk to our friend Andy. Andy Bear uh, is going to be joining us for the second part of the show. Andy uh, is moving on to do some really, really cool stuff. And this is a way to just thank him and um, hear from him and... Um, we're really, really grateful for, uh, I'm really grateful for the partnership we've had over the last couple of years. He has just been unbelievably critical in, um, getting the podcast off the ground, getting the church off the ground. He's just become a great friend. So, uh, we're going to hear from Mr. Andy here in a little bit. What I want to do as always, you can send questions to, um, hello at voxpodcast.com. And I'm, I'm learning to check that more and more often, which is great because uh, we have some really good questions before, uh, before we hear, oh, got an email. Let's check it real quick. Um, Amazon.com. So um, I, there's a book called The Fog that uh, the Amazon thinks I will be interested in, which I'm not. So that's just a quick Amazon update. A uh, couple of things. Um, We've got some great questions. Check that out. If you're interested in following along in the Revelation series, you can go on to patreon.com. That is one of the rewards for $25 a month. We have a whole community of people who are so, so generously supporting the podcast. Um, and the Revelation series is a way to just say thank you to them, among other thank yous that we have listed there. So go to patreon.com and uh, look up Vox Podcast or Mike Erie. Uh, okay, so questions. We've got some good ones. This is from Wyatt. Hey, first I want to say thank you for all you do. So you're welcome. This is a wonderful thing. The podcast has helped me understand different topics on a more biblical basis. I'm able to share this resource with others who have questions. I love that. I just had one complaint and it was on episode 118. Now, the fact that you've only got one complaint either means you are listening, um, you are listening carelessly and you're not listening close enough because there should be more than one complaint or we are we are such of such like-mindedness that you need to get out more but either way I'll take one complaint for sure episode 118 one of the guys that was a guest commentator with Mike said as they were ending the conversation on abuse that in that woman situation when she came to church with two black eyes, which obviously never should have happened, that in that situation, that's when you call a thug from Craigslist to go handle the guy. Now, I agree with all that Mike said about this topic, but totally don't agree with this side comment. And my hope is that it was, jo it was done jokingly, which it was. For sure, if you knew this guy, this was very much jokingly. But if not, it sounds like there could be a problem. Because to my knowledge, and I could be wrong, Jesus never told anyone to go be 
beat someone up for an act of injustice. Amen. You are not wrong, even remotely. Uh, I believe in her situation. Absolutely go and get out of that situation and then pray. But to leave that situation and then call someone else to handle violence with violence doesn't seem like what Jesus would say or do. Uh, again, thank you for all you do. Um, you are why you are absolutely correct. Um, uh, my buddy was, I, I, I think joking. Um, he is a, <laughs> he's got a great sense of humor. And so I assume that's what was happening, but, but you're absolutely right. I mean, Jesus is really clear. I think, uh, my personal belief is that all violence is wrong, but sometimes violence could be necessary to prevent greater evil. Um, and so in this case, um, I absolutely think that, you know, the, the suggestion that was made would have been out of bounds. Jesus was very, very clear how to, how to treat even our enemies. Um, and there's a big debate, you know, over, over whether violence is ever justified. And I, I don't, I don't, uh, want to get into that right now. I mean, we've, we've talked a little bit about it. Preston Sprinkle is a, another podcaster scholar who's done some great work on this. Um, but, but you're absolutely right. Um, uh, the, the impulse that we have to use, uh, return violence for violence was so roundly condemned by Jesus, not only explicitly in his teaching, but in his manner of death. And, uh, the later writers of the new Testament reflect on the fact that he was insulted. He did not insult back. He was struck. He did not strike back. Um, he was tortured. He did not respond in kind. I mean, but met everything with love and grace and, uh, forgiveness and um, and so yes, I think there are times when violence may be necessary, but I don't think I, I don't know that it's ever justified. Um, but that's a much bigger conversation. So <laughs> thanks for thanks for getting us into those waters. Um, a young lady named Kara says hello, Mike. Just listened to your episode from February fifth, called uh, or titled "Why the Church Hurts." Sorry, I clearly don't listen to the episodes in order. That is just fine. The fact that you listen at all is wonderful. So you listen in whatever order you would like. You mentioned that you uh, might be interested in doing an episode about what it means to be creative and a Christian. I'd love to. If you're still considering that, you should 100% have Rob and Amy Seifert on the show. I've been to a seminar they teach called Created to Create, and it literally changed my life as a designer. Uh, it's all about how we create when we are working in God's image as a creator. They pull a lot from Erwin McManus's book called The Artesian Soul. I think they live in Toledo, so they might be able to uh, meet you in person. So Kara, if you're listening, um, or Kara, not sure how you pronounce it, but if you're listening, yes, let's set that up. And Rob and Amy, I'm sure you have better things to do, but if you happen to be listening, I think it'd be really fun. Uh, to talk about uh, creatives in that space. So uh, please follow up with that. I love it. And I'm grateful for the opportunity because I did get several questions about what it, what it means to be a creative and to do work in the kingdom that isn't explicitly kingdom work. So I think that is a phenomenal question or a phenomenal tip. Uh, this question is from Tanner. Uh, I've heard you multiple times at Ohio State. Uh, my question is regarding singleness in the Christian life. I am a male who plans to get married someday, 
but have been single for some time now, I'm not concerned as much with when I'll find my wife or how to be a good husband and partner to her, because there are a million books addressing those topics, but more with this time of singleness in between. The Christian world seems very persistent in finding your future spouse, but never really wants to talk about how to prepare for when that time comes. I was wondering what guidance you had on the subject, and it would be awesome to hear about how to prepare for that, but especially how to sit in this time of singleness and enjoy it and grow as a godly man without worrying about when, quote, she will come. All right, Tanner, uh, could you do me a favor if you're listening? Could you clarify uh, the the part that you want clarification on? Um, when you say no one ever really wants to talk about how to prepare for for when that time comes, I don't know what that means and how that's different from um, the million books that address how to be a good husband and partner to her. So, so I don't understand um, what you're asking for in terms of guidance. I would love to love to be helpful. I mean, I was I was single until um, 29. So I got engaged at uh, yeah 29. So so I, I I get it, and I also get how much pressure there is on um, single folks and, and the uncommunicated message that they're somehow um, not fully functional or not fully functioning or not fully normal or whatever because they haven't yet been married. I totally get um, I totally get those messages. And I do think there's a lot of immense pressure uh, on single people to kind of find the one and, 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 you know, all of those sorts of things. So if you would clarify your question for me, I would love to take some time, talk about singleness as it, as it's spoken of by Paul, because Paul does some really surprising things with singleness. The fact that Jesus was single was a really big deal too. No one ever, um, not, not no one, but it's rarely talked about that, uh, Jesus would have been seen as, um, not fulfilling one of the commands of the Torah, which was to be fruitful and multiply and that to be a man um, uh, of marriable age in that culture and to not marry uh, would have been a big deal uh, to to Jesus's contemporary. So um, absolutely, I think there's a lot to say about the whole singleness conversation. But in terms of the preparing for when the time comes, I'm not sure when what time comes. Uh, So if you would help me with that, that'd be awesome. Um, Lastly, Boy, this one, this one could get us into trouble right here. Uh, This is from Casey, who says, wanted to reach out and see if you'd wrestle with the question that you you can have a great marriage without Jesus. It's a theological sticky point in evangelical evangelical circles and something we are actively wrestling with. It's also a conflict that's not talked about. Anyways, enjoy. uh, I enjoyed the conversation about narcissism. Awesome. Um, so this is a great question. Can you have a great marriage without Jesus? So, so it depends how you define marriage about whether or not you can have a, a great one apart from Jesus. If marriage is a institution recognized by the state for the mutual bene- a mutual flourishing and benefit of two parties, um, that also spills over into the formation of families and into the stability of communities, then of course, you can have a wonderful, fantastic marriage 
um, without Jesus. There are people who so beautifully reflect uh, the image of God, even though they wouldn't call it that, um, that are filled with kindness and love for one another, that they have exemplary marriages, and Jesus isn't a part of that at all. So if, the, if marriage is understood that way, absolutely, absolutely. If you understand marriage as seemingly the scripture does, which is a covenant, and, and one of the witnesses and one of the participants in the covenant is God himself, uh, and you understand that marriage in the New Testament anyway, uh, Paul frames the marriage between a man and a woman as a analog between Christ and the church. Um, a bride and a bridegroom, and, uh, and, and so that marriage becomes a picture of the gospel of Jesus, and, and there's a whole lot to say about that in terms of how it is that the, the two people relate to each other and how they bless each other and sacrifice for each other, that there is, um, that two become one in a way that reflects kind of the, the diversity and unity within the Trinity. I mean, if you start packing theological freight into that understanding of marriage, well then no, you, you can't have that kind of marriage unless Jesus is a part of it. And so, is it possible that non-Christian people can have good marriages? Of course. And is it possible that Christian people who would acknowledge all of that theology have bad marriages? Well, of course, right? Um, so, so I don't know sort of the implications of this for you or the organization you're with, except to say, uh, I think that it is like, like our, our buddy Tim Muehlhoff does marriage conferences and um, he does them from a Christian perspective, but you don't have to be Christian to benefit from them, right? I think there's, we can all get better at marriage regardless of, of whether or not Jesus is a part of the thing or not. So um, I do think it's possible for people to have a, a great marriage. I know people like this, um, even though Jesus isn't uh, the center of it, nor is he, nor are they operating out of this covenantal um, framework. But um, I've also seen marriages that you would label Christian that are just horrific. So um, I really think that this is a phenomenal topic and would love to hear your response to my response um, in terms of what you think. So, uh, cause I know some people would disagree that absolutely it's impossible. If Jesus, if Jesus isn't the center of the marriage, you cannot have a great marriage. Uh, the problem is, and I get this question about morality too. We had somebody email in about, well, can you be moral without God? Um, and the answer is absolutely, absolutely. You can be moral without God. We're, we're the image bearingness. Uh, is indelibly stamped upon us, right? And and so the impulse to cry out against injustice, the impulse to fight for some things or fight against some things, I mean, all of that is image bearing, and um, and, and I think it's it's unbelievable evidence uh, that that we're more than just chemicals and and uh, particles in motion. Um, I think that they think that that in the same way that that two people who don't have any, you know, tangible allegiance to Jesus can have a good marriage. I think there are really good, kind, compassionate people out there that don't have any direct link to, to Jesus or God, but um, they do absolutely reflect the Imago Dei, the image bearingness that is true of them in virtue of their being a human person. And, and, and so yeah, these are, I think, hugely fascinating and hugely difficult questions that, of course, we're oversimplifying, but would love your thoughts. As always, very, very grateful 
uh, for those of you that take the time to write in and um, and hope whatever answers we give are helpful. So I'm going to wait uh, just a moment for Andy uh, to call in, and then uh, I'll be right back with his uh, with his interview. Thanks. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, as promised, I am here live right now via Skype uh, from California. It is Andy Bear. Andy Bear, hello. <laughs> Great to hear your voice and see your face. Is I. It, it, Andy is bundled up in his uh, in his garage. Yep. I'm cold. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm cold what, right what, now. What's the, like, in, in Ohio today, because we just have to do a little weather um a little weather comparison in ohio right now it's 73 with a high of 82 so what do you you have oh hey it's going to be warmer there than it is here i mean it's uh it's 59 degrees right now and i I think my high is only um like 65 today okay so it's chilly yeah for for i mean it's california cold yeah it's california cold and you're right next to the beach so there's like a damp yeah right wetness a damp cold to it yep now andy um, we, uh, I've taken a number of questions, um, that, uh, I want to ask you, uh, because we've, we've missed you and are so grateful to, um, I mean, I, I wish I could, I wish I could transport our audience back to the first meeting <laughs> at, uh, at, in Placentia where it's like, Hey Andy, I'm thinking about doing a podcast. Could you show me how to do it? <laughs> in which I said, no. <laughs> right i refuse to show you how to do it in in fear of catastrophic failure <laughs> because and 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 this is i i don't get this but evidently you did not trust my technological prowess <laughs> so yes and that could have been catastrophic and some would say it was a catastrophic failure anyway <laughs> true um true so andy true. has been uh, for those of you that are new, if there are any of you out there, Andy has been like the driving creative force behind the podcast. Um, he planted the Ch- Vox community um, in Placentia, who's just absolutely critical there. The podcast, I went to Andy and I said, listen, if uh, other people can do this and they don't seem technologically great, um, I should be able to do this too. <laughs> to which Andy said, well... It's a little more complicated than that. <laughs> I mean, yes. I mean, that's obviously the DIY aspect of podcasting is, yes. I mean, if you really want to break it down to nuts and bolts, you could just turn on. I mean, now, well, two points. I mean, Ron Bell doesn't have music. Yeah. For, well, for sure. Yeah. Music isn't, isn't really, isn't necessary. I mean, you could just record voice memos on your iPhone, download the audio and send it to SoundCloud and, you know, just kind of do the one-time, you know, backup stuff to make sure it works right. And, and you're good to go. And, and in theory, yes, you could put your voice and get yourself out there, um, you know, relatively, relatively quickly. Um, now there's an app called Anchor that actually specifically focuses on mobile podcasting. And so that's a little different, but, um, and you can do, wow. it's, it's a pretty cool, th- their whole thing is trying to push the, push the envelope and make it so that you could just really podcast wherever, whenever, all from one device. And it doesn't have to be a complicated thing, but, wow. um, but I'm not sure. I, we were, I was looking into it with a friend, but I'm not sure if you can send your feed to iTunes. So I think that's a little little wonky, but I have to look back into it. That Anyhow, wonky. Yeah, but all that to say, though, is was, you know, you, I, the reason, mainly the reason why I, I, I had those comments at the time was rather because recognizing, 
you know, what you are really great at, which is speaking and writing and presenting content and just realizing why, why introduce all these technicalities into that when it rather just make room for you to do what you're really good at. And so, um, it's just, that's, I don't know. I love playing that support role and doing that kind of thing. But I think even at that time, as I started to kind of look beyond working in church ministry, it was like, well, you know, Mike can't be the only one that has those needs, right? I mean, there's got to be, you know, there's yeah. other people out there, I'm sure, that would love to get into podcasting for however much they know about it. But, right. you know, don't, they a, don't know how, they're afraid to. And the thing I've learned along the way is that the one thing that you've done extremely successfully that is actually the hardest part of podcasting altogether is having content in the first place. You know, the fact that uh, you're able to sit down and have content every single week for the past, you know, two years of doing this, that's the miracle at play here. Because like when, now when I sit down, <laughs> you know, now when I sit down and talk to, and not because of you, it's just actually just in general, because when I sit down and talk to anyone about starting a podcast now, it's really saying, well, do you actually have a year's worth of content to do? Yeah. And, and half the time people are like, well, I, I think so. But it's like, yeah, but if you sat down and actually planned, you know, 50 episodes, you know, for this next year kind of thing, like, would that, would that be an easy thing to do or whatever? And, um, that's the hardest part because then I'll, how has, next- how has the podcast space changed? Yeah. Uh, in the two plus years we've been right. doing this. Um, have you seen a change? Dang. Okay. Well, it's changing. It's, I think a it's changed in our space as far as like talking about mm-hmm. faith matters and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's been huge. I mean, I, when we first started this, there were maybe three or four other podcasts in the space that were actually offering an alternative to kind of the Christian status quo narrative mm-hmm. subculture. Right. Yeah. Like bad Christian liturgists. Um, there's this other theology one I know has been around for quite a long time, but they, but either way, they were they weren't making a blip in the top 100 episodes or anything like that in the in the Christian scene. Um, now, I mean, in the top 100 space, I mean, oh my goodness, you know, I mean, there's like tons of different a- shows of people doing, you know, kind of challenging the same stuff now. Yeah. So now on the greater on the greater the greater side, podcasting in general. Um, I think it's actually become more publicly accessible. I think that. Mm podcasting has become kind of a household term like it's and I think that's largely because um, Alex Bloomberg from startup talked a lot about this a few years ago but just t- saying how at the time that he was doing his re- research and study before he started Gimlet Media he was saying that over the next something like um, like two years like as many as potentially 10 million people will be leaving radio like just because mm. it's like here's you know here's the trajectory of what's happening with radio and how many listeners you have but then like the podcasting space is basically radio for everybody so as long as someone can produce content and make content then it, it offers an alternative to what you listen to in the car you know it could be mm-hmm. more focused more niche you're not dealing with all the the ad issues and then now that you have ads there's really responsible ways of doing it you could fast forward through ads because it's all pre-recorded content you know so it's just um i mean now it's like Mm. everyone's like oh i'm listening to this podcast or i'm listening to this podcast etc etc so i think that it's it's become more of a household term so um, it's really crowded space now yeah exactly and it's more saturated and it's more crowded but that said there's it's just a testament to how many people actually listen to podcasts though too it's just a it's just a wider audience but now it's like you use all your other standard ways of attracting influence and followership and you're you you're starting with your own niche audience so yeah i mean my you know my bend over the course of time is realizing that what podcasting has been for the church that we've started was that 
the podcast allowed us to create a path of DNA for what it looks like to participate in something um, before you even showed up. Like that's what's mm-hmm. that's what's really neat. Like if I was going to start a business, um, like let's say for example, I was going to start, um, you know, a storefront where I served, you know, coffee and beer at a bar on taps, right? Well, what I would do is I would start a podcast for a year instead before I even opened the retail business. Hmm. And then I would just talk about coffee and beer and actually do narrative culture before I even opened the doors. Hmm. So that way when people show up, like they already understand why we exist. They are are, like, you know, like that's the thing. If a new store or small business shows up somewhere, you're just kind of like, oh, where'd this come from? And then you walk in and you have to figure it out yourself. Like, oh, I don't, I don't know what this is about. Oh, that's really good. Right. You got to talk to an owner. You got to look at a product. You kind of, it's like, you have to go on your own journey to do that. But rather when you open the doors and everyone like you've, you've been talking about it for a year, your day one opening is going to be insane because it's just like everyone already knows why you exist and why you're there. So I just, I, that's how how I see it as podcasting is can never, I think, I mean, yeah, there's people who actually build a business on a podcast, but I actually think you have to look at it as a marketing tool. That's a means to an end. Hmm. And then, and then you continue to use it as a buffer for your DNA and your culture along the way. So it's not, you know, it's not just like, Oh, I just podcast now. And that's the thing. It's like, you have to work really hard to make it a good business. And that's, it's possible, but you got to work really hard to do it. Well, the fun thing that, that happened in our case was, Instead of, I think, I think we had you as a silent presence uh, for one episode or, or one or two. I don't even remember. But, but we soon realized, soon realized uh, that it's so much more fun to have somebody in the room with you. Right. And then secondly, you have such a unique and creative perspective on stuff. So what, what became really fun was, was moving from, hey, Andy, could you help me do this thing? to, oh, this is a Mike and Andy thing uh, <laughs> together. And, and so that's been so fun for me has just been to, because I, I do think you're one of the most creative people I've ever met. And um, the insight that you'll have on, on stuff, I think has been so incredibly helpful in starting the church and in starting the podcast. You know I mean? I think it's just been, uh, it's been, it's been awesome. So not surprised that that you have other options on the horizon. But before I get to those, I've, uh, I've been saving up some questions for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I need your take on a couple of things. So, so I mean, and, and these are important things. So, um, uh, Yanni or Laurel? Which, oh. which one, buddy? I need to know. I need to know which team you're on here. Oh, man. Uh... <laughs> I'm actually, so I'm on Laurel. Laurel is what I'm hearing. But I was thinking about starting a Twitter account called, um, oh no, it's different. It's actually not for Yanni Laurel, it's for Enneagram. I was going to oh, start a Twitter geez. account called Enneagram. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. Which, which would just be me reading the, the Enneagram number descriptions with Enya playing in the background. Oh my goodness. <laughs> or or lyrics, just quoting yeah. lyrics. Yeah, just quoted the lyrics. <laughs> okay, that's amazing. Yeah. First of all, I will subscribe instantly to that thing. Um, for those of you that don't know, um, she was. Is she still making music? <laughs> I don't know. Her music is eternal. I'm sure we will be hearing it in heaven. <laughs> Seriously. Anyway. Anyway, she she made all sorts of. How would you even describe it? Um, like spiritual, spiritual ambience. Like I mean, okay. it's like it was the most. Like it was probably the first commercial expression of ambient, like music. But Yanni 
you know, Yanni. True. That's what's, but true. That, that, have you seen those jokes Yanny. flying around? Yeah. Yes. Yanni. I mean, he was like the the male version of Enya prior to like Enya's existence. So I think Enya it's was true. the was the compliment that came later. It was like, oh, women do this kind of music too. <laughs> now, Andy, what what is the what is the cultural analysis that facilitates such? Internet disagreements, like the dress was it the dress a couple of years ago? Yeah. And now it's now it's this, and I didn't even know what it was, and people, all of a sudden, people. I was wondering if Yanni. I was literally wondering if Yanni had died because <laughs> I saw what it, it was. Yes, exactly. I was like, oh no. Yeah. You what know, is it? I think that people, um, whether they like to admit it or not, need a platform for frivolous conversation. You know, it's it's because it's a de- it ha- it represents a, de- a deeper engagement to a form of connection, whether healthy or not, that makes them feel like they're actually a part of something. You know, aside from the loneliness that they have. I mean, that's it. I, that's I mean, that's the the thinnest view. But I mean, I think that's that's just true. You know, <laughs> totally. <laughs> we're, we're, oh, it's so funny. We're built to be in community and connection, and so it's funny. I mean, I, I do think that the greatest lie of our contemporary generation is that uh, social networking was designed to connect us. <laughs> oh, I think that's that funny. It's, I think there's yes, it's maybe some initial truth to the hope of that, but I think the actual ramifications are far worse than we ever expected. But go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and this and this. You know, this um, this next topic fits right in line with that comment. Did you watch the royal wedding? Uh, I, I saw a couple highlights, and I, I think I caught a, a sliver of the tail end. But did you see okay. my tweet that I actually I tweeted this morning that I thought was pretty genius? No, I haven't checked it yet. Um, I want to take over the MAGA slogan into MABA, Make America Britons Again. <laughs> <laughs> well, have you seen the one that's like, Hey, you lost the colonies and you're about to lose your government too. <laughs> yeah. Because Megan's American or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so so explain, take that cultural analysis hat, Andy, and explain why there was nonstop, like wall to wall news coverage of this thing. Like yeah. un- unbelievable. Like we have we have kids who die in Texas. Yeah. And that gets overshadowed. By and I'm not begging on people who like it. I'm not not at all. Nope. I'm just trying to understand. Like, is it is it is it because it's enchanting? It's because it's an escape kind of from um, how horrible and brutal our world is to some sort of ideal. What do you think? Uh, so I think the last two are true. I think that um, the idea of enchantment, like enchantment as an as an ideal, I think has a huge weight on it. I mean, it's why we love Disney movies. It's why we love correct all yeah, of I the totally most grandiose, Harry Potter. Yeah, exactly. So, it's, so in in a way too. I mean, there hasn't been an American to marry a royal Brit since. Uh, I mean, it's it. No, no. They well, they talk about it. You know, and um, oh, they and, did. Okay. Yeah. It actually no. It actually happened. Like what? I I can't oh. remember how long ago. I don't know my my British history, but the um. It, that did happen, and actually, the the duke or whatever at the time he got like exiled from the family because he married an American. Like he was, and he actually lost Whoa. his crown. I think it was under because this is all Whoa. in what was that freaking movie Elizabeth? It was in it's a it was like part of oh, the, wow. on Netflix. But um, the uh, so I think that's part of it. There's like this interesting historical connection to I think it might be the first time that like royalty has married an American since then. So I think there's that that kind of like political interest about it. Um, it. And then obviously it's just, yeah, I mean, there's only, it's the only, 
for what it's worth. All we know about like British like monarchy and royalty from like our our small view over here is just politics. All of a sudden, right. though, now a prince is marrying an American. Like there's a right. new princess in the castle. I mean, right? that's that's the enchantment part of the story, right? So of course, are we going to pay attention to that versus like, well, we got another mass shooting because it's just another mass shooting. Right. Like that's how like desensitized it's become now. To where it's mm. like, well, yeah, the, there was one last week. Didn't you pay attention? I mean, there's just that ugly balance of, like, normalcy where it's oh. like, well, that this isn't going to ever, you know, when's the next time this is going to happen? So, of course, they're going to pay more attention to that than pay attention to to the other thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, I mean, and, of course, people want to, you know, wash out the feeling of, of badness by filling it with, you know, uh, you know, watching the royal wedding instead and tweeting about the royal wedding instead. And, and because of it's probably how grandiose and large it is, of course, people want to tweet about it. They want to feel like they can because everyone else is. I mean, it's it's all mm. that draw to popular status quo and feeling of I got to be part of something bigger. It's got just, it. you know, so it, it's just it's just a multiplier at that point. Yeah, it's just it is. It's very interesting. Very interesting. I mean, it was uh, Jesse would turn on the news and that would be like on the morning shows. Would that would be like, that would be right. it. That would well, be. And the plus, thing. it's gonna be it's gonna be a huge money maker because it's outrageously positive. Like everyone's gonna tune into their their local news channel or whatever right. news channel that they have to watch it. So the the cable networks have to they have to air it. They're gonna make yeah. tons of money. I mean, like yeah. versus yeah, like no airing kidding. like all the mass shooting stuff. There's plenty of people that are gonna click past that. And be like, nah, yeah. I'm gonna go turn on Everyone Loves Raymond reruns. <laughs> That might be depressing too, though. I don't, I'm not sure. Um, all right, so now, now to a topic near and dear to your heart. Oh, here we go. Um, how is it that the Vegas Golden Knights are in the Stanley Cup Finals, and your Anaheim Mighty Ducks have been sitting at home watching? I mean, and now I golfing with the Kings. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what what's ha- what's happening? What's happening in the Western Conference, Andy? Okay, well, here's the thing. This is this is a bigger problem with the NHL. And I'm serious. <laughs> I love it. Come on, I knew you'd have something. I knew it. Okay. Yes. All right. You know, this is all right. You have to you have to understand that the Golden Knights, as an expansion startup team, is basically an all star team. I mean, they 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 picked from like the entire NHL, like top players like all over the NHL. I mean, they literally built an all-star team and dropped it in Las Vegas. So, so, so the other teams start. were forced to yes. make available everyone from their wa- ro- roster. Um, it was like ro- a ro- select, roster? like a, it was basically like every team was called. If I remember right, they had to like open up like X amount of potential players that could be selected out of that batch to then wow. go out to the golden Knights. Wow. And so they got to, in a way, like do this kind of drafting handpick of, of building their team. Yeah. Around the idea of doing that, okay? Because yeah. here's the problem: if <laughs> who so made Flurry someone available? else about this, huh? Who made Flurry available? Right. Yeah, I know. Well, we lost come Stoner, from? and Stoner was amazing. Oh, really? Yeah, from our team. So it, it's like they okay. Because if because here's the problem: the Kings have been holding over our head for like a decade, like their Stanley Cup win and how terrible we've played for a decade. Mm-hmm. But it's like the Kings haven't necessarily been playing that much better than the Ducks have in this entire decade either. You know, it's just they, they have one cup, right? Yeah. But it's like the pride thing just, you know, puts it down. <laughs> now, the thing is, so Golden Knights, like, I mean, now we're going to have this outrageous Coastal Pacific rivalry, right? Because between the Sharks, the Kings, and the Golden Knights, it's all just going to be 
hell to pay. Everyone's just going to be all over each other because it's all localized. So mm. if the if the Golden Knights win the Stanley Cup, now what do you have? You have a first year expansion team that broke like 10 records or something like that. And then on top of that, they won the Stanley Cup in their first year. They're going to think that every other team is just garbage. They're like, what? We did right. it in our first year. I mean, the amount of pride and ego that's going to be carried on that team is going to be like so obnoxious and like just uh i you know they're going to become one of the most hated teams in the nhl for that reason but unfortunately it will be then imagine though if they win the stanley cup other big cities that do not have a hockey team might be like whoa well look what they were able to do right so then it's just like what you could end up seeing perhaps over a period of time is then Big cities putting in big money to start new hockey teams based on potentially the same model. And if those teams start winning and all of a sudden, then you have an entirely different NHL. You don't have your old school, regionalized, hardcore teams and people that are around it that like it's it's a much more of a regional sport become just becoming a national spectacle because then it's just like a traveling roadshow. Then why not just like create a bunch of all star teams that just play each other and just travel from all the big cities all the time and forget localization. Right. You know, so it's I mean, that's obviously a pretty grand like prophecy but it's that's i, I just saying who's to say i mean because this is kind of one of the first times where they've they've done an expansion team that was like that a lot of new teams are usually teams that move to different cities uh-huh. you know because you know the avalanche were the formerly the quebec nordiques um oh. you know um and then uh freaking who else the panthers used to be i can't remember either way all i have to say like a lot of the new teams that have popped up in the past like 15 years were teams that moved Mm -hmm. like even the win that's what it was winnipeg we used to be a florida team so like it was the winnipeg jets they closed the franchise in the 80s and then they started a team i think in florida somewhere else and then moved up to winnipeg to basically (laughs) restart the winnipeg jets whatever four years ago and that's the so the, the winnipeg jets isn't like part of the original franchise at all. They just basically re, you know, re, revamped a franchise. So it's just, anyways, Got those it. are my thoughts. Those are my, so, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, but why, why, why are they winning and the ducks aren't? Cause the ducks suck this year, but we, but we had it like we had injuries like for the first half of the season. So, I mean, we had, we literally became a different team halfway through the season. So it was right. like playing on half the amount of games to get into playoffs and then get all the chemistry we figured out. So it's just, it was a mess. It was a total mess. And Butcher kind of sucks. A- so, no, I have a confession, Andy. I'm sorry to to have brought this up, but I have a confession. So the we were watching the Winter Olympics in the depths and darkness of Ohio. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's just it's dark at like three thirty. Um, <laughs> it's just awful. I mean, life is awful. We're watching the Winter Olympics, and um, I, uh, I I turn on hockey one night, and and there was a flicker of interest. Hey. And, and I was like, well, hey, this is kind of interesting. Now, it could be that that winner had just so, like, stolen my soul away or something. Right. But after the Olympics, I found a uh, Boston Bruins-Pittsburgh uh, Penguins game. Yeah. And I was totally in. I yeah. loved it. Because I knew, I knew a lot of the Penguins just because go. they're famous and, you know, whatever. Right. Um, so I will confess to you right now as a friend and apologize for my uh, disdain of hockey that I, I actually have really enjoyed watching the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Penguins, and the uh, Boston Bruins. Yeah. It's like the first teams I saw were the first teams I love now. And, and they all got and, – and all of them got knocked out of the playoffs. So I'm stuck yep. with – I'm stuck with the Caps yep. and, and the Lightning. Yeah. And, and you want Caps to win. Because if it's Golden Knights versus Lightning, it's like watching, 
I don't know. Name like two of the worst football teams in history play play in the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, on the one hand, it's probably a good thing to to get teams, but but what's his name? Alex Ovechkin? Is he on the Caps? Right, he's the yeah. big Caps yep. guy. Yep. Right. He's never been to the. Has he been to the finals? I don't think so. No, I okay. think that's like that's one of those like deep narratives of like we gotta win it for this guy because it's like if he, yes. there's always like he's retiring this year, you know, or it's whatever. I mean that. Yeah, that story's there for sure. The Caps have been good the past few years. That's the thing. Like I actually I want the Caps to win wherever the Golden Knights over Tampa too, for sure. That that the would Golden be my, Knights have cool unis though. I'm not oh, gonna lie. I hate their uniforms. I think from a di- oh, I actually if you I'm go sorry. back to my Twitter account, I actually ripped on their uniforms pretty hard when they first came out. I thought they were a lot of designers went hard after the uniforms. They're like, these are the ugliest NHL uniforms ever. <laughs> wow. I, but you know I, what I, you know what they're taking from though, right? What? They're a representation of the um of the not the National Guard. But one of the military, like local academies, like, one, yeah, one of our academy military yeah, uniforms, yeah, yeah, yeah. West so Point, like, yeah, but thank you, West Point. So it's like that's why it's like the white gloves and this and like that's it's so Dude, hokey. It. It's basically it. it's as hokey as like the Mighty Ducks thing. It is like in a way, it, it kind of is. <laughs> It'll even out in a couple years when they finally just put on black gloves and just get over it. Like yes, the, 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 I watched the there was a guy that was a designer at Warrior Hockey and he did a design, like did a redesign of like here's what I would have wanted the Knights jersey to look like is like if we just swap the gloves and just did this instantly the uniform looks 10 times better oh like really because it, it was like All black right. gloves with gold trim it was badass but <laughs> no those white gloves are killing me <laughs> oh and you're gonna have to watch them in the finals now, do you watch other hockey a little bit i mean i don't obviously i i need to it's it's I just got I was so burned this year because of the Ducks loss that I'm like I just I won't even I can't even so but no I mean I the past few years I've watched it through like once the Ducks got kicked out because it was at least it was like they were getting beat in good games like the last two playoffs yeah. it was like they were getting beat you know in good games this was like absurd I, I, I don't even have words for how bad it was this year <laughs> I don't even have words Oh man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was just I was just watching the Golden Knights the other night going, first of all, I love their unis. So not surprisingly, a creative designer would hate it. Um because it's meant to appeal to slobs like me. Um and then That's why they're winning. Then, yeah. Dude, I'm in. I love it. Um and then and then, you know, just the the, the I don't know, the indignity of these established franchises. You know, know, watching the freaking golden golden knights. Right. Um so right. yes, I'm rooting for the caps too. Yeah. But but I mean I still don't know anything and I you know, you tried to explain icing to me and I still I still kind of I still kind of don't understand it and Right. I don't know. I, I thought there would be more fighting. Is there uh, is there not is there not fighting in playoff hockey? I mean they just kind of push each other it's around, way more strategic. Like around the goal. It's more strategic and it depends on your teams too. I mean it's like with uh Golden Knights aren't a heavy team. Um caps aren't really either. See the la- the last few teams you have in there right now aren't aren't some of your heavier teams. Like Kings are heavy, Ducks are heavy, San Jose's heavy. Um 
Uh, Detroit is heavy. Calgary is heavy. I mean, these are all teams that that check a lot, and you see you t- you typically see a lot of fights. But yeah. um, it's just once you get into playoffs and you actually start working, you get, teams start to get real strategic sometimes because you don't want to draw too many penalties. So it's like unless it's like it gets real ugly or it's a lot of cheap shots or whatever, then then it might kind of happen. Or if it's a really strong team rivalry, you know, if it was Ducks like San Jose like in playoffs, like yeah, it'd be. You know, which it was. I mean, it, they they were heavy games. You know, so there was a lot of that, but not. You get towards the end, and if they're more, if they're kind of better, faster teams and better playing teams, there won't be as much of it. That's just how it is. So at that point, you're actually watching. It's like you're seeing more of the game than you are seeing. You're seeing hockey. The, yeah, you're seeing hockey. Right. What the heck? Yeah. Um. So so Andy Bear, um, what you've been doing some really cool stuff. Obviously, church stuff is amazing, but you've been doing some cool stuff in the podcast space. Do you yeah. want to talk about uh, talk about all that you're up to these days? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's definitely been more of a, a support role type of thing. It's 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 kind of a way to brag on my wife and all the, <laughs> the crazy stuff she gets herself into. <laughs> but awesome. um, yeah, it, no, it's amazing. She um, so two things um that happened um back in. March. Well, back last year in October, whatever it was, my wife went on um, an invitational retreat that was kind of like a beta testing retreat to see if this kind of concept would work. But um, so she's been pretty involved in the Down syndrome space, connected to a lot of moms. And um, as some people know, our Instagram account is you know it's fairly big for for its size. And all of our friends, their accounts are way bigger than bigger than ours. But um, so we have we're part of this pretty large social media scene on Instagram of of down kids with Down syndrome, and so she got invited to go to this retreat in Texas uh, with a ton of moms, and w- with one of the moms she went she bunked with and flew with um, is our friend Amy, and Amy's son Rocco and their family they're on born this way, so they're the yeah. youngest family with the with the child unborn this way. Anyways, they were, they got to talking and after doing the retreat, they're like, man, it's too bad. There isn't something in orange County that feels, um, just feels different. Like it's not just like a hotel conference kind of thing. Like that's been kind of the, the known experience that a lot of parents have shared is going to some like a down syndrome conference type of thing in orange County or in LA. Um, it's really overwhelming because a, the experience itself feels just a bit too gritty. Like it, cause it'll be in like a hotel lobby or some kind of venue. And it, it feels kind of campy in the sense of, um, just tons of tents everywhere. And, and it, it just, it's all kind of sloppy. Like if you've ever gone to like, you know, the buddy walk, it's just this massive menagerie of an event of everything and anything you can think of. Um, there's no style to it. Like there just right. isn't. And that's, and that's, what's interesting about the social media scene is that, you know, followership and interest kind of comes through the application of the experience. It's not just mm-hmm. what the experience is, but it's kind of how you see it and but kind of portraying it in a way that we're trying to accentuate certain things that are beautiful and helpful and to understanding mm-hmm. what it's like to raise a child with Down syndrome. And so the idea was, well, they wanted to then create somewhat of like a conference idea, but it would be in an elegant space um, mm-hmm. as an elegant experience. It would feel mm-hmm. a bit more styled. And so it kind of felt like you came in you would come in and you don't feel the distraction of all the aesthetic around you. It feels pleasant to be in this space. So when you're hearing mm-hmm. difficult information, you're, you're able to almost receive it differently because you're not mm-hmm. kind of also in a physical aesthetic that feels rough and feels coarse and you got yeah, to leave to go to or lunch. Or almost medical or industrial exactly. or something. Right, right. And so they put, they put this plan together and um, we've launched a conference called Dear Mom. 
And so the Dear Mom Conference, um, we hosted the first one in Laguna Beach on March 25th this year, um, sold out like room was wall to wall with women at like 150 women at, at capacity. Oh. We didn't know we didn't know how well it would go. So we, yeah. we chose a smaller venue and the thing like filled up. Awesome. But it just it looked beautiful. It was elegant. Like we served we had it. It's like catered where you get lunch. So we it's like you walk in and everything looks really beautiful. There's like a breakfast bar and all of that. And then um, everything's like in round tables. And then they serve you lunch. There was like rosé at lunch. The food was really good. It was mm. catered by the chef at Kaya in Laguna Beach. And then um, we had Dr. Sears speak. We had mm. um, Terry Brown, wow. who's a speech specialist that we go to speak. She's wonderful. And then wow. um, Heather Avis, who we've had on the show, of course. Yep. And yep. then um, this other uh, woman named Jen Jones, um, who lives in mm. San Diego. And so she, she writes books and does some stuff. And she spoke too. However, but it's like a lot of what they share was much more of like narrative sharing. It wasn't like hyper instructional, like just dumping information. It was so much more sharing an experience of what it's like to be a mom raising a child with Down syndrome. So it's just, it actually felt very voxy kind of in that way because it was mm. just the alignment of experience of like, here's really what we're going through, but here's how yeah. we can see each other in it and support each other and encourage it, encourage each other and not just like present a ton of information that now you have to figure out and then just go with. Got so um, just the, the feedback from it was amazing like i mean people absolutely loved it so um that was super successful it went really really well um uh there's there's a chance it might be on born this way next season we'll see so um but the uh um so now uh we're going to do our second conference in utah so that's yeah so that's going to be in october and so we're planning that. And so that's in partnership awesome. with this other girl who has a huge account. So she's going to host. Um, but that's interesting because we're going to be uh, we'll be kind of doing it in and through the Mormon community. So that's mm-hmm. kind of like her thing. So that that's going to be really, mm-hmm. really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then now we have a couple other events that we're launching. Do you have a website that. that people can check out? Yes, sir. DearMomConference.com. Okay. So through there, all, all that good stuff is there, too. Um, yeah. And then so then also... <laughs> Almost simultaneously, like, I mean, in the same month. So then on National, on uh, World Down Syndrome Day, March 21st, mm-hmm. uh, my wife and Heather Avis and our friend Micah Boyette launched the Lucky Few podcast. Mm. So the Lucky Few, that's been um, a hashtag that Heather pretty much started six years ago when hashtagging was a new thing and as a part of social media. So she was the first one to post hashtag the lucky few and and do all of that. Well, that's grown now to like, you know, 200,000 plus images. If you search that hashtag just on Instagram, I think on on Twitter included in that. Um, So the idea was then, you know, obviously to have a podcast that talked about being moms in the space and interviewing guests and talking to people and Mm -hmm. um, having that whole thing around the conversation of Down syndrome. A little differently, starting that show was interesting because um, Micah is also an author. Her blog is really mm. big. She has tons of followers on, on Twitter. Heather's account is like 120,000 followers on Instagram. Ours is 20 on Instagram. So we launched with a massive marketing base. Mm. So it's like instantly we could hit like almost a quarter of a million people from like launching mm. that podcast, right? So that, you know, we're already generating like 2,500 plays, you know, per week, you know, on the ep- on one episode, you know, with awesome. that. I mean, that took us like, I think maybe like yeah. eight months to get to they're already there yeah. at like whatever two months in mm-hmm. you know so it just 
you know, because Heather already has this massive voice in the Down syndrome space. Her book is The Lucky Few. Yeah. Um, there was all the viral attention around the Lucky Few tattoo. So I don't know if you saw yeah. that floating around. So that started yeah. actually at that Texas retreat I mentioned. Oh, so wow. the photo that's like kind of connected to the main mm-hmm. viral photo, Mercedes is pretty sure she took that photo. So it's nice. like she, she, she didn't get the tattoo because she had Shepard with her and she couldn't bring the baby in the tattoo parlor. So that was like why in the moment that was why she, so she sat, she's like, she sat at the coffee shop like four hours or something like that where all these women were getting tattoos. But, um, right. Bummer. Yeah. So that's like, so there's all that viralness around the lucky few tattoo. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's like really a movement. I mean, that's, what's crazy is there's, there's no control over any of that. I mean, that's just now women who've just aligned with the entire community of the lucky few and just Mm -hmm. see themselves as, you know, this identity within it. And so, um, it's just kind of awesome to, to kind of be at the helm of helping to, you know, produce, you know, a podcast for them. So their voice can kind of really go into that space. So then, so we're doing in Utah, the feature event for the Utah Dear Mom Conference is the Lucky Few podcast. So we'll do a live show for the Lucky Few podcast in Utah. And then we'll also have another live show, I think here in Laguna, I think sometime in the fall, we're not sure, but I don't know. It's just a lot of the stuff we did here with the Vox podcast in the community has been such a case study for understanding, <laughs> honestly, I mean, so uh, for understanding how you 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 see like an idea that can affect society and affect a community, and realize how podcasting can offer that in offer that DNA and that information base for then what it means to actually connect with that community, hmm. because like I said before in the retail conversation, the hardest part about coming into a community new or into a retail space new is understanding the narrative, understanding the story. Why does this exist? Why does this need to exist? I mean, a lot of, I've had this conversation with um, other creative directors, just with a branding in general. Like if you work for, you know, Easton sports, right. And there's this message around how much you care about kids playing sports and whatever. How do you, Hmm. how do you get that narrative by picking up an aluminum bat at Dick's sporting goods? Right. Right. You know, yep. I mean, maybe there's a little tag that says a little, you know, mantra or something, but do you really feel connected to the greater community of Easton bat users? Like when you buy that, you don't, right? <laughs> no. But you see, that's, that's the difference. If like, if you loved sports and you were into podcasting and you're like, oh mm-hmm. man, like I just started listening to the owner from Easton sports. You should hear this guy's story. You should hear like why he does what he does. Next time yeah. you go buy that bat, you have this whole other connection to that product. Yeah. So it's just, that's where I think podcasting accomplishes that goal where other marketing mediums just don't do it as well, you know, because, you know, we've in the church, we've been making, you know, four minute, five minute edited testimony videos and cut videos. Mm -hmm. But the hardest part about that is we know that, oh, the video's edited. It's cut. Is it all really there? You know, I mean, that's 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 like that that skepticism that's kind of in the back of your mind. Now, you could technically do the same with podcasting, but you don't. I think that in a, in a certain show flow, you could you could pick up authenticity pretty easily. There's enough nuance, mm. enough voice, like enunciation, to where you're like, oh no, I could actually believe this guy. And I don't know, they could be BSing you. Right. But all that to be said, I think you have a you can more effectively really share the heart of something through this medium that actually gives a, a much stronger backbone to why something else might exist. Totally. And so I, I, to me, I think that's the big, the greatest advantage someone could utilize podcasting for is really for that end, because it, I think it adds depth to your product that otherwise you, you, it would be very hard to create yeah. um, from what I've seen. Cause otherwise you're so reliant on visual mediums to mm-hmm. kind of interest that's people. Right. And yeah. it's like, that's, that's, that's tough. That's a much hard, like steeper climb versus you get someone into a podcast or, Hey, just listen to a few episodes of like, why, why they do that thing. 
you know, people, you know, get behind it. So yeah. that's, that's what's neat about then getting behind so the, the, your the mom lucky, and Lucky Few. The Lucky Few's a podcast? Yes. Is that the name of it? Yeah. So the Lucky Few podcast. Funny yeah. thing, there is another Lucky Few podcast from this guy in Canada that tells stories of people who like had no money and ro- rose to greatness, <laughs> which is fine. <laughs> But it's just, you know, this Heather's had the lucky few for like seven years. So it was just, we're just sharing the space. Like they they reached out to us and we're like, you know, listen, we're in completely two different spaces. You you actually can't buy podcasting like domain. Like it just doesn't, you can't do it and you can't and like trademark it. It doesn't work that way. So, um, I mean, there's actually like five other Vox podcasts if you go and look, you know, so it's it's whatever. Right. Um, so yeah, so that's, uh, it's the yeah the lucky few podcast.com um there's something else i was gonna say about that and i can't i can't remember now but anyways that's huge man it's like you had a bunch of free time to begin with and then now how often do you uh how often do you record for lucky few is that once a week no so we do it in batches so we'll do oh, okay. like we'll just schedule some time like almost once a month and we'll do like three episodes and, it, and then we just batch it because most of it is guest conversations it's not like week to week real-time conversations where you know this show is very responsive to what's happening in the Twitterverse and what's happening in the news, which I actually think is a very appropriate way to do a, a, a faith-related and, and church-related podcast as with how, how does a church constantly be in response to those things that are actually happening in real time. I think, mm-hmm. that's, I think that's unique. I think it takes a lot more work. But it's like, I think it's, it makes it very live and it makes it very effective. It just, it doesn't mean, I mean, cause it's hard to almost follow a church. You can't follow a sermon podcast and get the same experience because there's already pre-planned sermon series and all that other totally. stuff. It, it, you, you're always being pulled into that bubble. You know, you're right. not, that's what's neat about this is this isn't like a bubble conversation. It's very much like I'm riding a vehicle into the normal place of conversation of just everything else that's happening. You feel more connected to the world. I think through this show. Yes. So. Oh, Andy Bear, so good, man. I think for the sake of time, it's forty minutes. Oh man, we could go for far too I long, know, I, right? I know, right? <laughs> I um, know. But man, it just seemed like uh, so important to to make sure um, everyone. I mean, everyone knew anyway, but particularly for those who are new to the podcast, just how massively important you've been to this whole operation. <laughs> And, and, you know, the, the behind the scenes stuff is, you know, quickly paled in comparison to what you were doing, you know, in the room and, and Mm. the chemistry, um, and just, uh, the inside and, you know, I mean, it was stuff that, you know, I would, would never have occurred, um, occurred to me. So I will forever be grateful for the day when uh, our friend Billy Tarka showed me a picture of you on <laughs> Facebook when we were looking to hire someone at EV Free Fullerton. And I was like, that's the guy right there. It was when you were had really long hair and you still kind of had a little, little of the rocker look going. Yeah. My hair is um, as long now as it was then, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because it's, it's in a hood. Yeah. It is. Nice it's to long. have those options, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, it's something I, I, I've always wondered. Uh, not always wonder, but I think one thing like I don't, I don't really something I don't, I don't get. And I, I have to ask this because of someone who has led an organization, been at the helm of of hiring people into organizations. Um, I've I've yet to really feel like I I, I sit in that kind of role. I, maybe I, I do a little bit now with just what I offer to other things, but mm-hmm. you know, I didn't. You know, the the story goes with me going to EV Free that I didn't like. 
<laughs> I got picked up to be a creative director out of being handpicked because I, I interviewed for a different job altogether at EV Free, and it was actually just to practice interviewing. It wasn't even to really potentially take a job. Like it really was. Like I was like, I've never interviewed for another church. I just I actually just wanted to kind of see what it'd be like and what I have to mm-hmm. offer and see how it kind of holds up. And so they had already selected someone else for that job. And, I, you know, Billy interviewed me, I think, just on I, my resume looked interesting. And, you know, the rest mm-hmm. is history. Then you guys then offered me a creative director job. And I was looking to kind of step into that world anyways. And that's why it was just like, oh, that's interesting. God is working. And so <laughs> I, I took the job. I felt like a bit pressured by God to do it. Manipulative. No. But, <laughs> but what I've wondered is this, though. So now, I mean... You know, when we even started the church and we started this podcast and you've spoken to, you know, the insight I have or whatever, but I don't like, how would you comment on how I've grown or how, what's really like, how would you explain me to someone else? From like the be- you know, kind of the beginning, from the beginning to the to the end. Like if you if someone was being like, man, you know what I need right now? I need I, I got I'm interested in starting this other community, but I don't really know how to get there. And if you're like, oh, I got the guy for you. How do you? Exp- I don't know how you explain that. Like I don't know how to explain myself, and often what I do. I mean, I I think yes, I can sit around someone like you and comment and and bring commentary, and it just it feels natural. But I don't know mm-hmm. where I stack up. Like as far as like other quote quote creative directors or even as like a church leader like i watch other church leaders do stuff and i'm like i don't i honest i don't bring any of that to the table i don't have a seminary degree i don't have like i got you know whatever four i got okay five and a half or six years working in the church right aside from you know whatever and then another few years in just youth leadership but i've never been like a youth pastor like you know what i mean i I have not taken any traditional road of church leadership whatsoever right right Right. So, so I don't know. I mean, I'm always feeling not marginalized, but I always feel like I, I don't know. I don't know where I stand with people. <laughs> oh, Andy. Well, I think I think I think you're very clearly adored. Um, you have such a good heart. So I think your manifest kindness, compassion, all of that shows through. But if I were to describe your gift set, um, I would have to use words like cultural, uh, uh, creator of culture. Um, protector of culture, like designer of culture. Mm. I think that you see big pictures, not in functional ways, like an organization, but you see them as organism ways. You see the big picture. So you see like, so the church is always in this funky balance between being an organization with budgets and performance reviews and mission statements. And it's this organism, it's the body of Christ. Hmm. Lots of people are really good at seeing the church as an organization and, Hmm. uh, and, and seeing how the pieces all fit together there. What you're really good at is that you see, you can see the church as an organism, as a culture Hmm. and see how all of the, uh, the pieces fit together there. So the thing that I treasured so much when we were when we were starting Vox wasn't just the the ideas that we ended up embracing, but it was how those ideas would then be enfleshed into real like forms and hmm. real decisions that we were making. And you saw how the whole thing fit. You could just say that feels like Vox, that doesn't feel like Vox, and I knew, um, and and I knew to trust that. You know, hmm. so I would say you're very intuitive. That mm. you know stuff without knowing how you know stuff, you just know stuff. 
Um, I would say, I would say your creativity isn't just pure, like boundless ideas, but it's creativity within how something may fit within the greater whole, Hmm. in the greater organism. You know what I'm Hmm. saying? So like when we would do live shows, well, that was your idea of just extending the podcast conversation that you and I were having now, here's just the next. So, so it was creativity, but it was within a certain kind of cultural DNA. Hmm. I think that um, you, you have this ability to bridge uh, generations. So I think you can, you speak um, in ways that communicate to people who aren't millennials and you speak to people who are millennial. And I think that's a, that's a really beautiful thing. I think that you have a great deal of integrity. And what that means is your life and message are consistent. You are a learner. Um, you, uh, I think that, so if I were, if I were just trying to describe you, I'd be like, take a Jackson Pollock painting, bundle that into this beautiful Filipino, uh, warmth and exterior. And, (laughs) and, uh, all you have to do is point it in a direction and just set it loose. (laughs) You know what I mean? Just wind it up like those old little walking toys and just just let it go. (laughs) Exactly. That's funny. I mean, the, the amount, the amount of good ideas you had, Hmm. versus the amount of good ideas that you had and that we actually could implement, right? That ratio, <laughs> that ratio is just tiny uh, because you had so many more good ideas that, you know, you're like, oh my God. So, so, and, and there, there are these things that you do that I love where it's like you will adjust your glasses or you will like do some verbal cue and it's like, okay, Andy's got something on this. So it was like when I brought up <laughs> hockey and why the ducks weren't there, like there's this moment when you out, you go, okay. And then, and then you're, and then you're off and then you're off. Then you're riffing on whatever it is. So, so anyway, Andy, please, uh, um, obviously, I mean, the, none of this would be the same without you. I mean, not mm-hmm. even remotely. And, um, you know, as you, you know, ponder future ventures, and I mean, you're already seeing, you know, God give you favor in other areas. I mean, Mm. I just think that's true. That's so that's going to be your blessing and curse, right? Right. Is that you can do many, many things well, um, Mm -hmm. but to try to narrow that, to try to harness all of that energy so that it's all going in a direction. I mean, all that's going to be tough sometimes. And and it's it's not surprising you would feel a bit alienated because you don't fit. And that's, that's precisely why we loved you Hmm. for EV free is that there's just no one, there was going to be no one on our team that was like you. Hmm. And, um, and so, you know, one of the things I've, I've learned the hard way is uh, you try to, you try to be around people that are very, very different from you. Um, uh, Cause they'll see the stuff you can't see, you know, you can't see yourself. So, um, anyway, I mean, mm. the, the goal for today was just to say you are loved. You are so appreciated, Andy. The, seriously, this, this, uh, this Vox journey has been one of the most meaningful things I've ever done, you know, mm. and you were, you were my partner in it. And so, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm stoked for you and I'm stoked for all the, the cool stuff you're doing. I'm stoked for the church community and, and, you know, uh, the new directions that it's going. I'm stoked for, the fact that you have something to say now to to people who either want to mm. plant churches, start organizations, or mm. start podcasts. I mean, I just feel like, you know, I, I feel like God's given you a very unique experience set. Mm. So, so because you're not going to have traditional church conversations. You're not a traditional right. church kind of guy. I mean, you're going to be, right. you know, we've always viewed ourselves as kind of explorers, 
about yeah. how do we how do we introduce forms into the church that represent values and DNA that um, we think have been neglected, you know, for right. for a while in the greater sort of evangelical subculture, and that's what hmm. Vox has been all about. Right. So with that, my friend. Well, thank you, are... thank you, thank you for those comments. I mean, I, I just need to say thanks for that because I you, for humoring me and understanding that because I I appreciate all of that because that's where. Yeah, there's, I don't get those conversations often, and I think we've had such a unique experience together doing this. And oh my goodness, um, you know, I, I I kind of yeah, we have it. We it's funny because I think like we <laughs> we like passed performance reviews and like never had them. <laughs> so it's just you know we no. never it's I just, we no. just never had this conversation. I've always just kind of wondered like I don't you know I don't know like it's hard to hard to find my legs sometimes, but I, I really appreciate that. No, Andy, and and I see why. Uh, I think I see why in the sense of. I think that's part of the curse of being uber gifted, hmm. you know, is that you're you're living in a, a slightly different world than everybody else because you're just seeing it differently. Yeah. You know? And yeah. so, and that makes sense. But it, it hmm. was precisely because you didn't have this perfect, um, I mean, you had me at rock star, you know, you just right there. <laughs> I mean, uh, hire him. Who cares? <laughs> whatever uh, he whatever he can do. Whatever he's good at. Let's make that a job. He, he converts people from juggling. Okay, great. Yes, perfect. We need <laughs> Give <him>. a salary. <laughs> All right, Andy. All right. So so we could go on. We've almost yep. gone an hour, which I love, uh, which I absolutely love. You are so loved, my friend. Um, so thank you for this. And uh, if you want to check, you know, follow obviously Andy on Instagram, Twitter. Um, uh, the Lucky Few podcast, Dear Mom Conference. Mm-hmm. Have I left out anything? If you, uh, yeah, if you just go to andylikeswords.com. Oh, then, nice. Is that a website? Has that, how long has that been a website? Um, a couple months. I mean, it was just, okay. I just needed a place to drop some things just to kind of be like, well, here's stuff that I've done. Like anyone that actually asks now, it's like, it used to just be like, oh, this is, because I, I constantly found myself in conversations with other people who were like, oh, what do you do? And I tell them, and it's just, like I said, it's this weird, unique <laughs> gift set that's like, I can kind of articulate it, but ultimately I needed to show like, oh, here's like, here's yeah. a few podcasts that I've produced and I just put that's language right. around like, here's what we did. Like, here's but like you didn't how. Produ- but you didn't produce them. Like you produced them, but that doesn't capture what you did. Right. But that's what I mean. It's like I could that's the thinnest vocabulary I could put on it. But then there's a de- there's more of a description of everything I did. So then it's right. like, oh, that's what's required in doing that thing. And it's got like some photography stuff and some art stuff on there and just a contact form. So it's just a quick way okay. to, to Andy get a hold likes of me. words. Andy likes words dot com and <laughs> which yeah. we've embodied today. <laughs> I know. I know. Which is awesome. But that's <laughs> such a great tag. Andy, would you uh, would you want to do our blessing our tag? Do you remember it? Uh, yeah, I, I do remember it. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to start it and then we're going to see if I can finish. Okay. I got it. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. But it seems like a worthy, oh. a worthy goodbye. See you later. Love you, my friend. Yep. Exercise. Yep. It is. It isn't until next time as it is. Yep. So, yep. All right, then this has been great. So Boom. for all of you out there, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace in these days. Amen. Ah! Nail it. Nail it. (laughs) All right. Until next time, brothers and sisters. Thanks. Hey, thanks for listening to the Vox Podcast. Learn more about us at voxpodcast.com. 
follow us on Twitter at the Vox Podcast, and now support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Vox Podcast.